Hello, and welcome to the Albuquerque Three Angels SDA Church Sabbath School Podcast, presented from the Three Angels Studio right here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Good morning, and welcome once again to all of our listeners, uh, wherever you may be. Uh, as Nick told me last week, we have uh, listeners in five different countries, so th- that's exciting. Uh, today, we're going to be going through lesson number 11 in our Great Commission basically is what our our lesson has been about. Um, And this is for December 9th through the 15th. Uh, This is part two of Mission to the Unreached. We had a very good conversation uh, last Sabbath. Uh, We did. Uh, And uh, I'll go ahead and start with our memory verse for this morning. And um, Elder Nick will have our opening prayer. Our memory verse is found in Matthew chapter 15, verse 28. And it says, Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. And let's go ahead and bow our heads. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to come to your house today to learn more about what it means to mission to the unreached. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for the many blessings you provided to us. And we ask that your Holy Spirit be here with us and be with our listeners as we go about this week's lesson, Lord. Thank you, and we ask for forgiveness of our sins. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to be reading the story that is found here in Matthew 15. It's also uh, repeated in the Gospel of Mark from a different point of view, which we'll get later in the the week. But on Sabbath afternoon's lesson, it says, "From From the beginning, a loving God sought his lost children, and to our day, the same loving God is still seeking to reach the lost, including the, the lost in the cities. In 2018, the United Nations published its latest findings, which say that 55% of the planet's population lives in urban areas, and this will grow, if time should last, to 68% by 2050. We have no choice. We must witness to those in the cities. Yet many of God's people act as Jonah did when called to witness to a city. For whatever reason, they flee from the task. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. That includes what was written about Jonah. When here, Jesus ministered not only to those in the cities of Israel, but but to those in foreign regions as well, that is, to those outside of the Jewish nation and the chosen people. This week, we will study the Bible story of Christ's mission to Tyre and Sidon and draw lessons that apply to our lives today. You know, Israel was chosen as a nation, but not because salvation was only for them, which ended up being the mindset by Jesus' time. Mm -hmm. It was that they were supposed to be the conduit between God and and the rest of the world. Their yeah. their mission was to share salvation, not just you know, keep it for their own, which is kind of what it's talking about here about, you know, uh, shying away from the the mission that we have. And you know, I did a, a sermon not that long ago about uh Jonah and and you know, Jonah chapter four, verse one tells us exactly why Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. Yeah. And that's it, how a lot of us are today. We we know what the mission is. We know what we need to do. But it's like a motivation that most people just don't have. It's that conviction that they know they need to go do something. They just don't want to go do it. I think that's uh, – it's dual. You know, I think part of it is um, either they feel incompetent you know, um, a lot of people are very concerned about uh, if they're knowledgeable enough to uh, withstand any onslaught or questions regarding their faith. Mm-hmm. And until you've been put in that situation and you've been able, you know, to deal with it, you know, solely from a scriptural base, uh, it is kind of a, you know, that's kind of a Goliath standing in front of you. You know, uh, am I going to be able to really 
stand, you know, stand and give a reason for for that faith. And the other one, and I think we have to be careful of, is getting into that same uh, mentality that, you know, salvation is for us and everybody else is lost, or that mentality, you have to find that dividing line between, um, you know, touch not the unclean thing and uh, fulfilling your mission. Jesus, who knew no sin, ate and ministered with the sins and the, the sinners and the publicans. Yeah. You know, and and we th- that's kind of what this whole lesson, his, his whole quarter has been about, is finding that line to where we don't have to participate in what they're doing, but we have to go where the lost people are yeah. in order to minister. Yeah, and it's it's you know you. you I, I think Jesus said, you know, you you don't treat the healthy, you right. treat those that are sick. Right. You, know, you go where the need is required, and for us, that mission is to those that don't know. You know, to those that you know, as we've seen, to the needy, to the powerful, to to the neighbors. Now we're looking at you know, missioning to those within larger cities that you know, where the truth could get lost very easily. You know, people are so distracted in a lot of these major cities. And, you know, you go where the people are. And right. if the people are in the big cities, that's where you need to go. And I know we've talked about stuff like this before, and I know even outside, you know, the Sab School lesson, there's been conversations about, you know, what, when do we go to the woods? When do we go to the mountains? And then there's going to be some that are going to stay behind in the cities, you know, still continuing that mission. You know, I think... In that situation, you know, we all need to be prepared to stay in the cities, to to mission to those still, and to reach out. Well, as it says there on on the in the lesson, you know, and it's quote it's quoting Paul in Romans chapter fifteen, you know, that the things that were written before are for our learning. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah. Well, in the days of Noah. Enoch and Methuselah both were still preaching the gospel. Enoch, until he walked with God and God took him, and Methuselah, it was prophesied that he would die the day of the flood, you know, the the year of the flood, which he did, 969, the longest recorded uh, life in the Bible. Um, But when when you read about them, especially, you know, in in the... uh, hindsight that's given to us in the spirit of prophecy, they did not live in the cities. They lived out in the country, and they would go preach in the cities and return home. You know, so yeah, there's going to be a time where we need to live in the cities, and then there's going to be where we need to be in proximity to that the cities where that mission field is. Yeah, and it's. You know, we were told through uh, inspired writings in in the Bible both um, that there will be a time, you know, when probation is closed, the the ministry is, and there is no more new, you know, there's no more ministry to do. The line has been drawn and salvation has been decided one way or the other. Yeah. And at that point, you know, we are to flee the cities because um, I j- just because we're not necessarily afraid of persecution doesn't mean we need to, st- you know, stand around and just say, here I am, yeah, <laughs> persecute me. <laughs> uh, and they're, they're, and we're, we're told when that time is. But Jesus also said, and I mentioned this in my last sermon, uh, work while it is day, for the night cometh when we can work no more. You know, and so... Uh, we're told when that time is, and it, it's not yet. There's still a world that needs to be ministered to. And we look, I, I like how in this, you know, this opening for the Sabbath, it, you know, it talks about, you know, 55% of the planet's population lives in urban areas, and this will grow. And I love how it puts in parentheses, if time it should, should last. last. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, to see that, that kind of boom, that 68% by 2050, you know, 
what I'm seeing there is that the need for doing mission work in the cities is just going to grow until the, you know, the end days. Right. You know, so we need to be very active in this. We don't need to be the street preachers that are sitting on the corner yelling, everybody's going to hell, everybody's damned, all this stuff. We don't need to be doing that because that's, you know, we need to be telling people that there is, you know, a choice that they need to make, but it's not our place to condemn people. It's not our place to judge people. And I think honestly, when, and I'll be honest from my perspective, when, before I, you know, became a seven day Adventist and all that, those were the people that I saw first, you know, you see them on the news, you see them on TV, you see them in movies and they're zealots, but they're like zealots that are taking people down a wrong path. Well, once again, you're looking at the, um, the days of Noah. Noah, yes, he did warn of impending doom, but God doesn't just stand there and say, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. He's saying, you're already headed that way, but if you turn around, salvation is over here. Yeah. You know, and that's what... That's what Noah preached for the the whole time, you know, for the 120 years. You know, the, you know, salvation is available. And I think a lot of these, you know, um, street preachers especially, um, they're so interested in pointing out and condemning, as you just mentioned, that they forget to show the salvation side of it. And which is part of the reason why... uh, people have a misconception of what Christianity is and why everybody says, you know, Christianity is one of the most yeah. hypocritical uh, because just as Jesus said, let it, him that is without fault cast the first stone. I'm not here to criticize anybody. You know, I need to, as Paul wrote, I need to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. But as God offers that to me out of gr- a grateful heart, if I see somebody that is searching for it, I need to share what God has given mm-hmm. to me. I'm and I've said this before also, you know, I may not have everything to share, but I need to share everything I have. Yeah. And I want us to look at this next uh, next lesson, you know, mission to regions beyond. You know, this is what we're talking about. This right. is leading into that. You know, it says, we read that Jesus took his disciples from Genesaret and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Why did he take them from Galilee to these pagan places? Because he's taking them to where... The mission field. Yeah, to where they need to go. And I love how they call this out. It says, you know, they took them on location, what they could not learn so easily in Galilee. It's basically saying... You know, you need to step out of your comfort zone. You need to step out of that exactly. bubble that you're in because, yeah, you can mission all day inside that bubble and have success, you know, but you're missioning to people that already know or haven't concept of of the truth. I've talked about this in our um, evangelistic meetings when, you know, when we're, when we're planning as elders, you know, we're planning for evangelism. Uh, we need to do something different because we keep, having our same meetings mm-hmm. and the same 15, 20 church members come and it's, but it's only church members. I mean, we need to find a different avenue and, you know, whether it's a tent meeting where, you know, somebody that may not be apprehensive to coming to a denomination building, yeah, you know, but it's an open forum uh, tent meeting open to, to anybody, but you've got to take, the mission to the people because mm-hmm. the people are not going to come to you. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, and that's the truth. It's again, it falls back in the same thing. You know, you go where the need needs to be met and you don't, you don't go to somebody who's healthy and try to give them medicine because right. it's not going to work. You go mm-hmm. to where there is the issue and you try and you provide that medicine, which is the truth, which is scripture. Now, this here honestly brought something to mind. Um, uh, back in September, we had the state fair here. And me, my wife, my girls, we were walking through the state fair, you know, just enjoying the day. And we came across the Seventh-day Adventist table. 
with nothing but books and information. And it, I think that was a good representation of what is being talked about this week. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't remember which church organized it. Um, and I apologize for that <laughs> <laughs> because it was wonderful. It was, it was a highlight that, you know, even my wife was like, wow, this is amazing to see this, you know, just free literature, free DVDs, free things, free books. And it was in a place where the people were going to be at, you know, there was no pressure or anything like that. We didn't hear anybody with a big old bullhorn yelling, you need to come here now or you're going to suffer later. It was, Hey, how you doing? You know, here's some free literature. If you want to take something, go home, read it. If you have questions, we have contact information. That was it. I mean, it was, very, very nice. And I know when we were standing there, there were a few people who were very curious and saw stuff and were like, oh, this is cool, and took it. And, you know, I pray that they're reading it and then right. I'm trying to understand it. But, you know, that's how easy mission work can be. You don't really have to say anything. You let the Lord do all the talking for you. You know, and if that's just you standing there handing out some books, you know, that's mission work. It's may not be you going to knocking on people's doors, having Bible studies, you know, and uh, converting people or anything like that, but you're taking that initial step. You're putting the information in people's hands to let them be convicted by the Holy Spirit to come back. And I think a lot of times that silent mission work like that has a lot more impact than somebody standing on a street corner yelling at people as they're walking by. Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there comes a point where, you know, your approach is important because it can either open somebody's ears or close them, regardless of how loud you're speaking. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, when I when I was working law enforcement, you know, dealing with people and, de- you know, especially high-stress situations, when you're in a high-stress situation, you need to keep your voice calm regardless of what, you're feeling on the inside because we're all affected by the, the stresses of, you know, those kinds of things. But if you, if your voice is heightened, you automatically raise the stress of the situation. Um, I used the mentality that my dad taught me working horses when I was little, that the time of crisis is never the time to panic, deal with your crisis and you'll have plenty of time to panic later. And that has done me so much good in so many different aspects of my life, even in ministry. Because sometimes when you're wanting to proclaim the gospel, especially nowadays, there you're almost always going to be bet, met with immediate, not just rejection, but um, attack. And if your attitude turns to attack, violence begets violence. Nah. And now you have two opposing ideas that instead of sit, come now, let us reason together, you have two people that are heightened and neither one is listening to the other. And no information is getting exchanged. And a lot of things are being said. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's true. And so we need to not turn people off before they see what we're offering. And it's, I think that calls right into the very next part of that lesson where it's talking about, you know, a little bit further down judges. It's talking about how, you know, God uses these people to not only, you know, share his message, but also to test your faith. Because a lot of times you look at uh, the many battles that you see in the old Testament, the many experiences that, a follower of God experience from someone else who was not a believer, you know, God uses these people to really provide more clarity to what you understand. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is an opportunity for, for those people out there that want to do mission work that do want to go out and, you know, experience, you know, God's miracles firsthand, you know, God's going to put situations in front of you to really see how faithful you really are where you lie. Um, and a lot of times it's to point out, you know, areas that you are weak in so that you can work on them to improve those areas. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask a question and, uh, 
see how I want to see how you, you re- respond or react to. It. But you know, Paul says that we are made co-laborers with God, and you know, there are so many. You know, God could do the work. The angels are begging to do the work. Why do you think it is that God wants us to be co-laborers with him? So I've got like 10 different scenarios <laughs> in my head on this one. From one, we know the angels were were created already obedient to God. They want to do God's work because they were created to do God's work. But they don't have a testimony. Exactly. <laughs> Us, on the other hand, we have a choice on whether or not we want to do the work or not do the work. Mm-hmm. So when we decide to do the work, the impact and power behind that is so much more greater because it's a choice that we're making. Good. And because of that, again, as you said, testimony, testimony has such a more powerful thing to it than than if an angel appeared and said, I'm here to tell you the word of God, say, okay, you're an angel, you work for God, that's given. You're going to provide that information. Mm-hmm. But for other humans to be able to understand and comprehend that, it's easier for us to comprehend somebody who's gone through a situation, who's experienced God firsthand, and we can see that and we can experience it much easier because it's more grounded for us. It's easier for us to you know relate than it would be for us to relate to an angel who speaks to God face-to-face every day. <laughs> right. That's awesome. But you kind of hinted to what I'm looking for right before I asked the question is God wants us to be co-laborers with him because what is going to help us better understand the love and nature of God than we are if we are working with him doing the same things that he's doing. You, you, yeah. you just said, you know, it's for our growth also, you know, so, yes, it's for them, but it is nothing is going to help us better understand the work that God is doing than him allowing us to be co-laborers in that work. And I think that's absolutely amazing. Yeah, that is. <laughs> <laughs> because he, he wants to reveal himself. Mm-hmm. And the more we allow him to reveal himself to us, the greater we can reflect him to other people, you know. We and we've keep saying, repeating this, repeating this, repeating this because it's important. We can't drive people to Jesus. We can't lead. You know, we can't drag people to Jesus. We can't push people to Jesus. Jesus said, "Just lift me up. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is reflect me." There, we're in a we're in a dark. You know, say. This is going to be a horrible example, but it's the first one that <laughs> came to mind. Um, the Indiana Jones, when he was in a dark cave, and they used the mirrors to reflect the oh, yeah. the dark cave and the hole. Uh, that was, I think, that was in the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders of the Lost Ark. They're in Egypt, and he's entering the little. It's uh, like right in the beginning. Snakes. I hate snakes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so I'm I'm not recommending you know all these all these movies and um but um that's that's our job you know we're we're not to be the sun we're to be the mirror you know and but if we're not angled at the sun just right it's not going to reflect to light up the darkness that you know and show people and by nature, we're drawn to that light. God yeah. created us that way. And I'm. some people are going to choose to reject it. But uh, as we work hand in hand, close, shoulder to shoulder, closely with God, doing the work that God is doing, nothing is going to help, you know, focus our mirror more towards him and more directly to those that are searching than being co-laborers with God. Yeah. And I, I, I think a good example, too, you know, as we're going through examples, <laughs> um, 
a good way to look at it, you know, especially as you said, shining God's light onto others through you. It's, it's like you're a, a beautiful silver statue, but you're just covered in patina. You know, you can't reflect anything. You're dull. You're obstructed. But as soon as you, you know, start applying some, some brasso or something to that object, you start polishing it. You start shining it up. Even if it's a little bit here and there, you start noticing that the light starts reflecting off. You start seeing glints of shimmer. You start seeing these things. And the more you clean it, the more you remove this tarnish, you know, that's you walking through this life as a Christian, trying to learn more, trying to get closer to God, trying to build a strong relationship. All you're doing is you're taking that tarnish and you're rubbing it off. And eventually you're going to be a shiny object that no matter where the light's coming from, it's going to reflect off you. You If you take, if you were to build, you know, you just built a shed. You know, you used that in your (laughs) sermon last week. Um, But, you know, I, I work in construction if you build a building, a house, anything, you can have a beautiful, we'll use a house as an example, beautiful house, great chandeliers, you know, nice uh, lighting system, and you have uh, a, a, a power pole outside, you have your breaker box in your house, but there's nothing connecting your breaker box to that power pole, you know. All the power is there, but that conduit must be there to get the power from the pole to the house. Otherwise, you just have a beautiful dark house that nobody can see. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, you know, we are, we are a, an intricate part in the work that God is wanting to do because we are t- to be used as conduits to bring that power from the source to where it needs to be. Yeah. Now, and we really haven't even talked about the Canaanite woman yet. Oh no, <laughs> we haven't gotten there. We're getting there though. You know, it's it's slowly getting there, but it's just there's so much interesting information in this week's lessons that you know, as you're trying to go through it, it's like you want to talk about every little piece because there's so much that you can actually explain to people and give them information on. You know. Yeah, it's that first the first lesson though, mission to regions beyond. It's basically just saying you need to go where outside your comfort zone, as you already said. But then we get to this next one, which is seeking the multitudes. You know, it says Jesus was moved with compassion for the multitudes, which are as are found in cities. Describe you know Luke nineteen forty one describes how Jesus wept over Jerusalem. So if we read nineteen forty one, it says, and when he and when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. You know, Jesus didn't see everybody's faces there where he was at. He couldn't see everybody's faces. It was just a sea of people in this area. And he wept over them. You know, that, that tells you how much he cares for each and every one of us. We may not stand out in the crowd, you know, especially if you're in a major city, you may not stand out. But Jesus sees you. He understands where you're at and what you're doing. And if you invite him in, along with the Holy Spirit, you will be that beacon in that sea of people. You'll be that, the where's Waldo in, in those scenes. You know, you'll, you'll be seen. You'll know who that one person is. And here when we're seeing this, you know, you're not going to reach everybody. Yeah, and I love how it talks about the Decapolis because that's that was an interesting story in Scripture, an interesting time that occurred when they were trying to minister in the Decapolis. And the Decapolis was a city that had Gentiles, had Jews, had uh, Greeks, Romans. It, it was just, it was a massive city full of people from all different walks of life that all had different beliefs and ideas and then you have jesus who shows up and is able to reach every single one of them through a very straightforward and simple message you know we we don't have to go out there and be extremely 
detailed and extremely to the point on a lot of this. We just need to be able to reach people through compassion and understanding. And we learn that through, you know, mission to the needy, you know, how you approach those people. You reach out to them with compassion, with love, not condemnation, not you're this, you're that, but showing them that, as we talked about a second ago, through God working through you, what it means to have compassion, what it means to reach others, what it means to put yourself on that same level. And when you look at all the mission work that that Jesus did during his time, it was just basically that. It was, how can I reach you? You know, what ways makes makes it easier for me to enter your life without you feeling like I am forcing you to believe in me, to, to give me all this. It's how do I come to you? And that's what we're seeing here in these things, in these areas, you know, I, I'm pretty sure for, for the disciples trying to go to cities of, you know, outside of, you know, Galilee, you know, Canaan places that they're familiar with going into these larger cities where they may not speak the same language as a majority of the people in these cities and trying to minister to them and trying to reach them. And I can only imagine what their first thought was like, uh, this is probably going to be difficult, but I like how this lesson started out saying with compassion, right? Because compassion will reach the most people. Well, you know, it talks about Tyre and Sidon, you know, what do you read about Tyre and Sidon? all through the Old Testament. It was like the worst of the worst. Yeah. It was, I mean, in fact, um, a lamentation for the, the prince, of, you know, the king of Tyre, you know, that wasn't talking about the actual ruler in the city of Tyre. He's talking about Lucifer. He's talking about Satan. <laughs> you yeah. know, this is, you know, Tyre is... And Sidon, you know, they're synonymous with the worst possible (laughs) situation. You know, this is a place that is knowingly directly ruled by Satan. Yeah. You know, uh, so, and and for for anybody that doesn't have their full gospel armor on, that's going to be... very intimidating to be will to for anybody to be willing willingly walk into mm-hmm. you know you know th- there's places where somebody might you know have you know a little bit of influence but this is somebody this is directly ruled and we know it yeah you know and i am just marching right in to you know the, the the enemy's headquarters and, uh, and calling them out. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so yeah, this is, this is a a battlefield that they had to be ready or at least experienced. So they knew what to expect, you know, and the, the Canaanite woman, uh, I mean, the Jews considered them just out, out of outside of the realm of salvation. And yeah. he's trying. Jesus is trying to get them back to that covenant he made with Abraham. That you know, through their lineage, all nations of the world will be blessed. This isn't just for you as God's chosen people. God's chosen people are chosen not just to be saved. God's chosen people are what we just discussed to share in the work that. God is doing that mm-hmm. is what they're chosen to do and you know we mentioned earlier and before we got into the lesson you know about the difference between Matthew and Mark's scriptures right you know I kind of want to read Matthew and then read Mark right so you can see you know same situation two different points of view and I like how it calls out that Matthew's point of view with the way the scripture is written was for those of Jewish descent it was you know, relatable to the Jews themselves who 
had their issues with all these other tribes, these other people. And then we look at Mark, and you're going to see a completely different take on the same situation. Right. So in Matthew 15, 22 through 28, it says, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. If you want to read Mark 7, 24 through 30. Uh, This is Mark's uh, version of the same. It says, starting in uh, Mark, Mark chapter 7, starting at verse 24 says, And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into an house and would have, no, would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. There's a whole message in that could not be hid, but we won't digress <laughs> right now. Uh, For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek of Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it unto the dogs. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way. The devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out and her daughter laid upon the bed. So same situation, same exact thing, but two different points of view. If you look at the first one with Matthew, and all we see in here is a a woman from Canaan came out of the same coast and cried upon him. But then we look at Mark. Mark went into a little bit more detail, saying she was Greek, a Sophician by nation. You know, kind of expressing a little bit more clarity to who this person was, a little bit about her background. Because in Matthew, he was speaking to, to the Jews. To the Jews. Who didn't care where she came Yeah. <laughs> she just wasn't Jewish. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but then we see in Mark, Mark is tying that that lineage of this person to the, to what's going on by saying, look, even those who are not of Jewish descent are experiencing God. They're experiencing truth. They are experiencing the Holy spirit, which means that God is more than just for the Jewish people. He is for everyone. And I think when you're looking at this, you know, totally understand Matthew's point of view on this what his purpose was was to convince the Jewish people of what was going to get on. to to lose that bigotry exactly where you're um, looking down on other people and which is the and it mentioned in um, in Monday's lesson about you know the vision that Peter had also you know because that was one of the differences that Peter and Paul had was Peter was still wanting to st- stay strictly for the Jews mm-hmm. and Paul's like, no, now is the time as prophesied. It, we, the, this message is for the whole world. And God gave, uh, Peter, the vision of the unclean and said, you know, who are you to call something unclean that I am calling clean? Yeah. And a lot of people say that's about clean and unclean foods and which if you read the whole chapter, no, it has nothing to do with that. It's about, not calling people unclean, that everybody is a potential citizen of the kingdom of God. Yes. And I think, you know, the contrast between between the two books is, 
extremely important, you know, because again, Matthew's reaching to the chosen people. Mark is reaching to the rest of the world, you know, taking the same exact situation and laying it out in such a way that it can be easily digested by those that are reading it. Well, not only that, but it's also, regardless of what these people say, don't think that you're outside the mercy of God. Exactly. You know, be persistent and come. You know, that that's the message that I see given here in the story that Mark relays. And this is how, when we're approaching others, especially in, in larger cities, you know, it's, it's really how we're sharing that information. We're sharing it based on the audience that we're, we're speaking in front of. Kind of like how we saw last week with last week's lesson where he went into, uh, I can't remember the name of that building now, the the meeting hall, you know, when he entered and was ex- talking to all these philosophers, these, you know, writers and stuff, he wasn't... Oh, the, in last week's lesson? Yeah, he was talking to them in a way that they understood right. and would, would accept. Here, we're seeing that same thing, but just through the same story from two different points of view. Right. It's doing the same exact thing. It's you're speaking to people on a level that they understand. There's this, the quote there on the uh, bottom of Tuesday's lesson from Desire of Ages. It says, Christ did not immediately reply to the woman's request. He received this representative of a despised race as the Jews would have done. That's the story of Matthew. Mm -hmm. In this, he designed that his disciples should be impressed with the cold and heartless manner in which the Jews would treat such a case as he evinced by his reception of the woman and the compassionate manner in which he would have them deal with such distress, the story in Mark, mm-hmm. as manifested by his subsequent granted of her petition. Yeah, basically what I'm getting at of this is, you know, he's showing how the Jewish people, the chosen people, treat everybody. He was setting that example saying, look, this is how you guys behave. You ignore people. You don't listen to them. You don't go to them. Let me show you what you need to do. Exactly. And then he said, you know, by your request, you know, the demon, the evil spirit is freed from your daughter. You know, that's what we need to be doing. Right. Not, not the first way, not him showing that, you know, because you read <laughs> it and it seems like he's like ignoring this woman. But in reality, what he's doing, he's setting an example to the disciples that are with him saying, look, this is how everyone else treats these people. Right. If you are not Jewish, you are nothing to these people. Romans look at everybody else. And if you're not Roman, you're nothing. Right. If you're Syrian, you look at everybody else. If you're not Syrian, you're nothing. That's what he was showing in the beginning is that's the issue. That is the problems that we're treating everybody differently instead of treating them like children of God. Exactly. And when you think about it a little bit more and you actually read a little bit more into that, that message is so powerful, especially if you're doing mission work. If you're going out there and you're treating everybody like the first part of that that story, ignoring them as people, looking at them as, oh, they're they're Albuquerque people. I don't want to deal with Albuquerque people. You know, I'd rather deal with Rio Rancho people. You know, <laughs> if you're looking at things like that, you're not going to reach anybody. You're not going to fulfill that mission that God set for you. But if you look at them and go, they're New Mexican. I'm going to go talk to the New Mexicans. You see Rio Rancho, New Mexicans. Albuquerque, New Mexicans. You're seeing them as the same people. Mm-hmm. And I, I know it's kind of a weird and way of looking at it, but... No, but it, 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 it makes sense. You know, I mean, you, whether you... Whatever... Jesus came to break down boundaries. Mm-hmm. And regardless of which boundaries you put up whether it is nationality whether it is religious whether it is sexual preference whether it is uh you know social status you know none of these boundaries mean anything to god that you know every everybody should be given the same opportunity not saying that anybody is better or worse we're you know, God does not condone sin in any way, but 
he offers salvation to all. And, you know, once it's offered, they have a decision to make. Yeah. And it, it, you know, you were just talking about Peter's vision a second ago, you know, and it, and that's pretty much what goes into the next lesson of send her away. It's, it's really comparing Peter's vision to what occurred in Tyre and Sidon, you know, how it was treated and how people were missioned to, you know, and it says while waiting for lunch, Peter was given a vision of a rooftop buffet complete with a tablecloth filled with unclean animals and birds, you know, Three times he was told in the vision to get up and eat. God used these visions to confront Peter's religious pride and bigotry against the Gentiles, which is what we're seeing in the first part of that story with the woman from Canaan. Jesus is showing us how, you know, people were being treated because they didn't share the same faith. They didn't share the same lineage. You know, saying, look, these people are still my people. You need to mission to them, not just to your comfort zone. Right. And it says, continues, says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. And the message that God is sharing, that we need to be sharing, is a universal message. It crosses beyond race, as you said, you know, nationality, borders, cities, you know, everything. The message is universal. It's it's something that anyone can grab a hold of and and take for themselves. Well, yeah, I mentioned at the beginning of the lesson where it talks about Jonah, you know, why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. And I think now's an appropriate time to, you know, I said in the first couple verses of chapter four, Jonah himself tells us why he did not want to go to Nineveh. And I think that this needs to be a place for people to, you know, those of us that are, have been given mercy and have been given grace and salvation. We need to do some heart and soul searching and make sure that this is not, where we are and obviously God chose Jonah for a reason Mm -hmm. I don't know it the sermon he preached is not given but he saved a whole city from the king all the way down they made their livestock wear sackcloth and ashes (laughs) you know uh, and and the heart of the Lord was turned Mm -hmm. you know by their um, but in Jonah chapter 4 I'm going to read just chapter uh, I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. This is after God turned away his judgment from Nineveh after Jonah had preached. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, O Lord, that was this not, my, not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of evil. Therefore now, O Lord, I take thee, I take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. The whole reason Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh is because he didn't want these people to be saved. Mm-hmm. He knew that God of the love and mercy and the graciousness of God. It's what he says right there in verse two. I know that, you know, you're quick to turn away from your anger. If somebody repents, I did not want them to have that opportunity. I wanted to sit on the, the hill and watch them be destroyed, <laughs> you know? Uh, so, and the, that right there is uh, very descriptive of what we were talking about of the way uh, Jews started to view everybody that was Gentile and, you know, and this is, this is really the exact same lesson here in the book of Jonah as we have in the, with the story of the Canaanite woman um, that God is no respecter of persons as it says there in Acts chapter 10 
you know, the, uh, what Peter finally starts to understand that, uh, from his vision, God is not, you know, God didn't create Jewish people, Israelites, in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> there, there weren't any. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, uh, Abraham was not Jewish. He was not an Israelite, you know. Uh, his grandson was Israel. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, that we need to make sure that we do not withhold the salvation of God mm-hmm. because of our own prejudice and our own ideology. And where we may not see it to this extent, you know, where we hate somebody for where they are, but are we unwilling to share the gospel? with somebody because they're in the condition that they're in, which requires a savior and salvation. And I think a good example of this is that Thursday's lesson, you know, where Jesus asks is when the son of man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? You know, he's not saying, will he find faith within the Jewish people? Will he find faith within the Romans? No, he's saying the people on the earth. So, Everyone, will he find faith? And it's important because, as you said, you know, it's, you'll be surprised where you find faith when you go look for it. You know, I, I love how this Thursday's lesson talks about that. He goes, we see in Matthew 8, you know, we see a converted pagan centurion with great faith. Mm-hmm. Someone who was not a believer became a believer, became someone of the faith. You know, later on we meet four faith-filled friends who ripped up the roof of someone's house to bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus. They weren't Jewish people, but they saw truth. They saw the word of God living on earth, and they knew they had faith. Mm -hmm. You know, you have Bartimaeus, formerly blind, whose face shines bright in Jericho. We we see all these people who were not Jewish, as far as we can tell, we're not Jewish people. We're not people who grew up in that the Hebrew faith or anything. But they were seeing truth. They were seeing God through Jesus, and they were converted. That statement right there is exactly why Jesus could not be hid, mm-hmm. as we read in Mark. Why? Because one of Jesus' main goals was to reintroduce the image of God. And that is a beacon that you cannot hide. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you, you are going to stick out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, um, so that, I mean, you, you kind of hit the nail right on the head there. <laughs> there. Uh, why Jesus could not be hid, because... You know, when, uh, when you read, and I've said this before also, you know, when you read about Jesus going, you know, walking around, does it ever say, you know, that Jesus had his disciples, so when he decided to stop somewhere, he could send them to go into the, the towns and the villages and er- everywhere to get a multitude for him to preach to? No, the multitude was already there. They were following him. Yeah. <laughs> and it's... And then it's such a th- this this two part lesson is so so important for people to know when they're doing mission work. It's you don't make the outcome; you just do the footwork to get the outcome to come. Exactly. The outcome is hold it, lift me up. Mm-hmm. It's like you know you mentioned earlier. You know we need to quit trying to convert people. Why? I didn't convert me. What makes me think I can convert anybody else? I cannot convert anybody. All I can do is lift up Jesus. And it's just sharing that truth. That's the biggest thing to convert people. You share the truth. They're going to open their door. Jesus is going to walk in. You let Jesus do the hard work. Yep. You just introduce Jesus. And that's all you got to do. But that's a high calling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, 
once again, I mean, we're called to be that same beacon that cannot be hid. Mm-hmm. And uh, that means just as we read the story of Jesus through the Gospels, his own people, you know, were the ones that rejected him the most. Yeah. And, you know, I, um, I don't know if uh, you got the, the text I sent last Sunday about, you know, my dad going to the... Yeah. <laughs> um, and, it, you know, it, the, he's being challenged on uh, his stance on our f- own fundamental doctrinal beliefs by his own board of elders. You know, it's not rejection from the world doesn't hurt because we we expect it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, when you're betrayed by, you know, you can't be betrayed by some by your enemy. You can only be betrayed by somebody that you love, that you have a relationship. It doesn't hurt if it's from an enemy. Yep. It's expected. It's when it's those of your own household, you know, that are uh, that are attacking you, which is what Jesus faced. Yes. You know, among, and we're being told that you know if as we more and more reflect God's character as we're commanded to do that we are going to start be receiving rejection. We already know, okay, we're going to, we go to the world, we're expecting rejection, mm-hmm. but it's when we're re- rejected by those that are closest to us, the end, but we have to remain faithful. Yes. And it, it and it's difficult. Ah, what a, <laughs> what a good lesson, huh? Oh yeah. <laughs> and but, we could keep going. Oh and, yeah. But, and we still have a couple minutes left, but if we, if we keep going, I think we might uh, end up going beyond. <laughs> yeah, so with that, um, we want to say thank you for listening. Um, we definitely hope that you are learning something about what it means to mission and the role you play in this whole thing and how you should approach it. But with that, uh, Robert, you want to go ahead and do a closing prayer? Sure. Father... As we conclude the second part of, of this lesson, and we see the reasons that you're calling us to be co-workers with you and the the barriers not only that the world pits up, that but that we may be putting up in front of ourselves, Lord, we ask that you will soften our hearts also and give us that eye salve that we may see the human condition as you see it and that we will be endowed with the compassion and the mercy that you have for these people, that we will be faithful in our mission to lift you up, that you may have a opportunity to shine your character and your likeness to these people, that they may get, be given an ample opportunity to accept or reject. We know that it is ultimately their choice, Lord, but if we do not do our part and lift you up, then uh, People may have lose the opportunity that we have been called to give them. So, Lord, we ask that we will be faithful in the mission and this this great commission that you have given us uh, as we learn how to look at it more deeply and how to see that uh, we we can be just as guilty as the Jewish nation and the Pharisees of refusing to give the salvation that you offer us to others through many of your parables lord you you showed that uh forgiveness and mercy from the master to the servant must be passed on for to those that owe him also so just as you prayed lord forgive us our debts as we forgive those that are indebted to us lord may we show uh your character more fully in be given, once again, the compassion that you have. We ask that you will bless our listeners as we all are striving to grow together in the unity of truth. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments about this week's lesson, please go to our podcast page on our website, threeangelssda.org slash podcast. That's the number three, angelssda.org slash podcast, and use the comments section. There, you can listen to any of the previous lessons as well as our other programs. Also, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Just search for ABQ Three Angels Podcast. Mm-hmm.